Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Manhattan. The Suns have won seven straight since Devin Booker returned. Over the Thanksgiving weekend, they beat Golden State, Memphis, and the Knicks. Booker, two rebounds shy of a triple-double against the Warriors, dropped 40 on the Grizz, and then hit the game-winning three at Madison Square Garden. You know, I think that's a moment that will go down in my career. You know, a game-winner with, was it, less than two seconds in the Garden. You know, as a kid, that's all you dream about. I'm happy to do it on the big stage. Since Booker entered the league, he's got the second most game-winning shots inside of five seconds to go to tie or take the lead. Wednesday, 5.30, Suns at Toronto. A loser, 37-14 at home to the Rams. Williams had 200 yards of offense and two touchdowns for Los Angeles. JG, what happened? get beat like that uh, we got to take a good hard look of how we're setting up the week because it really wasn't competitive in my mind. Tyler Murray bad I mean clearly not seeing who's open not understanding the offense in his reads 27 of 45 256 one touchdown no picks Kyler what'd you see? We just got our ass kicked. I mean that was first time all year we, we just got beat you know uh, terribly so uh you know, we've got to flush it and move on. we got a good Pittsburgh Steelers team next week. Actually, Kyler, it's not just the second time, first time because they had a bunch of games before you started playing. Now they're the second-worst team in football behind only the 1-10 Panthers. They're at Pittsburgh Sunday at 11. Split the weekend. It was crazy at home against St. Louis. They lost 6-5 to and then went up to Vegas. Connor Ingram, amazing. He had 34 saves in his second shutout of his life. Shut out the defending cup champions. Krause and Keller each scored in that one. They're home against Toronto coming up tomorrow at 7 o'clock. U of A football wins the Territorial Cup 59-23. Fafita sets a U of A single game record for 527 yards. The head coach, Jed Fish, was asked afterwards whether or not it's time to talk contract extension. That's up to date. It sounds good to me. I'm certainly all for it. Dave Hickey, you're now officially on the clock. Hoops-wise, they beat Michigan State 74-68. They're now 6-0. They take on Colgate Saturday, 1 o'clock. ASU football, as you know, lost the cup. Rashada, not good. 10-22, 82 yards, two interceptions, and was benched at the beginning of the game for missing a meeting. Coach Kenny Dillingham. But I do believe you, we finally hit rock bottom. I, I think any, everybody knows that. And then once you hit it, you start going up. And I believe that's what we're doing. Hoops-wise, ASU got destroyed 77-49, to and even a fight broke out against BYU. Then turned around in Vegas and beat Vandy 82-77. Up next, Sam Houston State. That game is 7 o'clock Wednesday night. And finally, meet Vera Connor. She went to Subway in Atlanta like she does once or twice a week. 
she ordered her usual number four, which she knows costs $7.51. But then she looked at her credit card statement at the end of the week and saw a charge for $7,100 for one sandwich. She claims it had an, an area of, on the receipt to put her phone number, and somehow that got put in as the tip. After trying to give a $7,100 tip, the store manager refused to accept that it was a mistake and wouldn't give her money back when she inquired. She called Subway Corporate. They wouldn't help her. So she called the local TV station who did one of those Channel 9 on your side. And when they put the video together, they tagged Subway Corporates and Subway says, oh, we'll look into this. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I can't imagine it being any sweeter if you're a U of A fan. And I'm not talking about the 6-0 basketball team. I'm not even talking about the great regular season for the football team, and I'm not even talking about winning the Territorial Cup. I'm talking about just how dumb Texas A&M is. Good morning as I miss the folks. Good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, UVGCU. Rattlers rising in the murk. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And I was just sitting here thinking, we crushed four-minute offense. I mean, this is just going to carry over all day long. You, when the leadoff hitter gets on like that, 
I figured I'd nail the intro. We'd get through all my cuts today. Steve McCullum and Dale would have a great main event. Izzy batting in the three spot would come through in the clutch from 10 to noon. Everybody would be happy in week of winners. It was going to be great. And then I butchered it to start the week. <laughs> I don't care. Four-minute offense was still really good. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll get over uh, that one. How's your, uh, how's your Thanksgiving? Jennifer crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Dinner was fantastic on Thursday. The leftovers have been absolutely fantastic. There's a chicken soup recipe that my father has always called dead bird and fungus, <laughs> which is just chicken and mushroom soup, but it's absolutely delicious. Well, Jennifer went rebellious and made it with the left with a lot of the leftover turkey. So I had that for dinner yesterday. Oh my goodness, was that that awesome. So I was pretty happy this weekend. Um, one weird moment uh, this weekend was uh, we were FaceTiming my parents, and my mother asked me, how's the podcast going? And I said, well, I, it's kind of up to you. I mean, when you, when you listen, what do you think? And she says, oh, I, I don't listen. All you do is talk sports. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Unplugged Army, for doing something my mother doesn't do, which is support me there. And, uh, and, and hey, yeah, thanks for helping out with the downloads, Mom. As, as, but as long as, as long as the podcast you listen to are giving you what you want, hey, you know that hey, I got to compete with them. I got to do better to, uh, to to earn my mom's listenership. Hopefully, I can uh, I can do that at some point. What would I, get I, her interested in the podcast? Politics or something? No, uh, it would probably. She, she is a retired insurance agent, so uh, I, I guess I could talk about life insurance claims. And <laughs> and, and uh, she used to crochet a lot, so maybe do some cross stitch type stuff or whatever she did. I didn't pay attention. There you go. Uh, yeah, so that uh, so we'll we'll try that next week and uh, and <laughs> see if that uh, see if that entices her. Uh, golf, I played reasonably well. I was I was kind of happy about that. I had. The greatest, the, one of the worst shots of my life and one of the greatest shots of my life in back-to-back -back shots. I, I hit a drive off the hosel over the trees. I was on the sixth tee box. I went over the trees, over the fifth fairway, and into a bunker on the wrong side of the fifth fairway. All right? It was that horrible of a drive. About 180-yard pop-up to, uh, to foul territory to the third baseman. It was horrific. So I'm in the bunker, and it's packed. So you got people standing near me. There was another ball in the bunker. The guy on the fifth tee box hit it into the same bunker that I did on six, except the bunker's on the fifth fairway. So I walk over there, apologize. Luckily, you know, nobody was anywhere near it. And then I walk up to my ball, and I got about, I'm going to ballpark it at about 205 to the green elevated green with a bunker in the front and I hit a five iron out of the bunker and I stung it it was fantastic it went a little bit around a tree and then bounced in front of the green and rolled up the elevated green and landed on the fringe right before it actually made it to the green so I had a birdie putt out of the wrong fairway bunker 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I was so, I mean, so embarrassed going, going. It was cart path only. So, like, I'm driving. I'm going to walk all the way. I let, I let McKenna drive the cart. I walked all the way from the wrong tee box across the fairway into the other bunker. I saw about three different groups of golfers on the way. Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Was that you? Yes, that was me. Sorry. Sorry. You know, like that. And then I do that. And I look at every group I walk by. What do you think of that? Missed the birdie putt and the par putt and got a bogey. Ah! Oh, man. But still, I was jacked up. And I just pulled my headphone cord out so I can't hear anything. Just a minute. There you go. Now I'm back. That was my weekend. Oh, and I drank way too much. Oh, my gosh. I had a buddy at the bar that kept... I mean, with intern McKenna there, I had a driver. And every time I got up just to talk to somebody at the bar, I come back, there's another beer. And I wasn't going to let the beer... You know, not be drunk. I figured that was rude, but oh my God. It was, I mean, it wasn't college drunk, but it was like I fell asleep on the couch drunk when I got home. It was awful. I was so unhappy about that. Not really, but yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then, oh my gosh, yesterday was just all work all day because I did very little. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was just all fun with the family and games and things like that. And then yesterday was crazy trying to cram in that much work. But I mostly got it done. Uh, Jeff and Izzy had to work a little extra this morning with me being a little bit behind. But we got through it. Looking pretty good. I don't know if they still like me, but, you know, we, we got through it pretty good. Uh, jacked up for a couple things. Number one, Beer Friday this week is the first official one sponsored by 100 Mile Brewing Company. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off correctly or if Jennifer's going to be happy with the amount of ice purchases. But I learned a Slim Keg is good for a month. If you keep it iced, which means I'm going to try to keep a keg iced for a month. So I'm going to go over there to 100 Mile Brewing Company on Thursday, pick up a slim keg, get it on ice, bring it in here Friday morning. Jeff and I will have our first 100 Mile Brewing Company glass of on beer Friday of a Mountain Amber Ale, which is my my opinion, best beer in the state. After that, I'm going to try to get the keg in the car, back in the car, take it home have it without drinking all of it that month <laughs> and then bring it back Friday and then bring it back the next Friday. And then after that, they should have a mountain amber ale and K and cans, a mountain amber ale and cans. The A's get weird there. Um, and I'm jacked up for that. So then we'll have cans in here and it'll be a lot easier. But, uh, if you don't remember, or if you don't know about a hundred mile brewing company, the, uh, the official brewery of Doug Franz Unplugged, and they're located at Rural Scottsdale Road in the 202 where all of that combines behind Makayos. So I'm, I'm excited for that. And then please put this on your calendar now. December 9th, Saturday. December 9th, Saturday. Any time in the afternoon you want to stop by, I will get to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, which is on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. I'll be there at 4 o'clock. And I, it's specifically designed for really no end time. I'll probably be there from 4 to 10, maybe 4 to 11. And what it's designed to do, no, you don't have to be there the whole time. Of course not. It's designed so it fits into your schedule because I realize a lot of people have different events, Christmas parties, Christmas tournaments if you've got kids, whatever your schedule is on December 9th. 
please fit the unplugged army around it. Sanctioned event. I'll be there at four o'clock. If you've got a party that night, come ahead of time. If you've got a party earlier in the day, come on your way home. If you don't have a party or you don't have friends, spend the whole time with me because I'll be there the whole time with the unplugged army. So four o'clock, December 9th, Bell's Nashville Kitchen. I'd love to see as many people as possible. Sanctioned event, create an economic impact. When we do that, now we're able to not have the Cardinals block us anymore because they're all angry about the Ron Miniger conversations. But hey, hey, you're the one that treat people that way, not me. And uh, and everything we've got going on, the only way this thing grows is if we continue to create an economic impact for our advertisers. So I'd love to have you out there on December 9th. All right, last thing. Later on today, I'm going to be reading to you a Monday winner. This week is our week of winners here on WTSMTV.com. You are eligible as a, as a, uh, to win if you are a premium member. So become a premium member right now. We have, uh, you know, oh, I didn't realize this. Let me, let me change that. Monday through Thursday, you don't have to be premium. You just have to be basic live or premium. Okay. Friday's grand prize, you've got to be a premium member. How's that? I think that's fair. That's a, that's a pretty good plan. So basic, that means you get to see everything on demand and all of the, like Izzy and I did a hit after the ASU game live from the field. You get all of Izzy's reports after Suns game. So you get a lot of stuff just by being a basic member. Live means you get to watch right now. You get to watch Steve McCollum live. You get to watch Hanging with Coop. You get to watch iOS. You get to watch the organic football show. Anything you want live, you can now watch it live. And then the highest level is a premium level where you're now eligible for the best prizes as well. But for this week, Monday through Thursday, you can win any of them just being a member of any of those three groups. Today, we're going to give away six VIP passes to the Arizona Science Center. Tomorrow, we're giving away a gift card to Harkins Theaters. Parlor Pizza is on Wednesday, and Thursday is AMC Theaters uh, gift card. And then the grand prize, this thing is unbelievable. I can't believe Sweet Lou is doing this. Sweet Lou is giving away three wedges. Yes, yes, right-handed wedges. I can't, like, I want to win. <laughs> three wedges. You get lunch at Civilic and a foursome. That's about an $1,100 value. When you get three clubs, a foursome at this time of year is going to run you anywhere between $150 and $215, depending on your tea time. And then on top of that, oh, look at that. Look at that little week of wood. I don't know about looking at me talking at me. That's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> uh, th- th- isn't that funny? And then half of Steve. Hello, Steve's nose. Yeah, this uh, is just our homepage. Yeah, I, I get it, but it was just kind of strange. Like, where's Izzy? Oh, there we go. Yep. See, Izzy's in the middle of swiping, so that looks, uh, that looks uh, pretty good right there. So that's the week of winners page. That gives you all the information on what you can win. And uh, again, that, uh, that Friday prize is incredible. I have not picked up the Friday prize. So here's an idea, Sweet Lou, if you're listening right now. Um, uh, what do you an, an angel at Burrito Express, I saw him Saturday at the tailgate, and uh, he says, hey, we got to get together for golf. We've got to get together for golf. So Sweet Lou, if you can, I'm thinking about back-to-back foursomes on Friday at, at Whirlwind. Tell me what you think, and I'll pick, up, I'll pick up the prizes. And, oh, hey, since I'm here, play a little golf. 
I'll talk to you about it later. Uh, anything else I got? I don't think so. Anything thrilling in your life, Jeff Weir Production? No, like I was telling you the uh, earlier today, earlier this morning, I, I feel like I could have been a little bit more productive this weekend. So kind of yeah, no, no, that. no, no, no. You you need you got to get your rest. Thanksgiving, family, praising for the reasons to be thankful in life, and then get a little fired up, take a little more time off of Christmas, and then let's crush it in twenty twenty four. You know, yep. Let, let's not slow down while we're at work. But let's slow down while we're not at work, you know, for the for the for these weekends and uh, enjoy enjoy the holidays because you blow right through holidays and then you miss time with family and and then that's dumb. So uh, enjoy yourself on these weekends. Earn your pillow, earn your fun during the week, and then make sure on the weekend you relax a little bit. Uh, sound credits today. I'm going to need your help, Jeff. AZCardinals.com, WTSMTV.com because Izzy got the sound with uh, with uh, head coach Kenny Dillingham. ArizonaWildcats.com because Izzy and I couldn't be in two places at once on the Territorial Cup. And where do we get the Suns from? Is it, you know, is it the on-court interview with Devin? So we probably got that from... Um, I yanked it from House of Highlights. Okay, so we'll give House of Highlights the YouTube credit. Mm-hmm. But where did they get it? They just took it from, um, uh, I would imagine, Arizona Family. Arizona's family is the one that did the interview on the court, so we'll give them both credit because we did kind of, you know, House of Highlights was the one that that pulled us for us. I think that's it. Let's go. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one this morning is the number one opinion I have in all of the sports world, and my number one opinion is that Devin Booker is the greatest Phoenix Sun of all time. Do you rip me? I mean, I realize the numbers of the Hawk. Uh, I, I realize the numbers of Walter Davis. I realize what Charles meant to the Valley. I realize the heart and hustle of Dan Marley. I understand the original son is somebody that's always going to be beloved in this town. And uh, Steve Nash has back-to-back MVPs and should have had three straight MVPs. Now, you could argue his first MVP should have went to Shaq, I get that. But the second MVP, he was clearly the MVP. And the year after that, when he didn't win it and they gave it to Dirk Nowitzki, only because, in my opinion, voters were like, I don't want to give Steve Nash a third one. It was almost like voters felt like Nash isn't legendary enough to have the tag of three-time MVP. So they wouldn't let him have it. It doesn't matter. That's not your job to rate Nash versus history. It was your job to rate Nash versus all other players in the league that year. He had the best year. He should have won the MVP. He's got two back-to-back MVPs. Devin Booker doesn't have any. And just a little while ago, we were still arguing with the rest of the country, hey, do you realize what Booker is doing? But just because the rest of the country doesn't know about Devin Booker doesn't mean we don't. And the the seven-game winning streak right now, As soon as he comes back on the floor, all the crap he has dealt with with Robert Sarver and five, I think it was six GMs in five years, all of the head coaches he's dealt with, and yet we're sitting here right now with this kind of uh, uh, performance. And then last uh, Sunday afternoon, wow. Wow. If you didn't see it yesterday, the Suns have already beaten Golden State at home. They've already beaten Memphis on the road over this uh, over this three day four day weekend. 
Now Sunday afternoon, they're in the garden, and it's it's a dogfight. It's a dogfight because Booker really isn't shooting all of that great, and luckily Gordon was outstanding in the first half to keep it close. Suns blow a lead, and they're kind of holding on for dear life. And I admit, I was gonna, I was so afraid I was gonna come in here and rip Booker because Nurkic had a turnover near the end of the game in which Booker was standing. Booker was just standing. They, they blitzed him, which means you try to double-team a guy fast enough that he's got to get rid of the ball. Well, they do it to Booker then on the next possession, when the previous possession, he got rid of it really quick. Watch how easily he gets this ball back and hits the game winner. He's going to hold it, not get any time left on the clock. That's the expectation. Quickly looking to help out. Get it's a good one. Back to Booker. Booker on the drive. Booker puts up the three. Oh, he puts it in with 1.7 remaining. Devin Booker with the clutch three. And the next call timeout. Jeff Weir Production, take a wild guess. How many three pointers that Devin Booker had last night? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was the only one. He was one for four. <laughs> he was 0 for 3 from 3 and they did they were not good looking shots and then that one was as pure as can be we uh we ripped this off from um uh, everybody at Arizona's family Amanda Flugrat asking the questions book what'd you what'd you think of that shot Uh, that one felt good. Uh, a lot of the other ones didn't. You know, just trying to grind it out. You know, it was a tough one seeing a lot of defenses thrown and, you know, trying to make the right play but be aggressive at the same time. Number one, small change. Um, you might not know this, but Robert Sarver did not want to pay for a sideline reporter to travel. So all of these years with Robert Sarver, there was never a sideline reporter on the road. And now that we have Matt Ishbia as the owner, it's like, hey, why don't we actually look like a professional outfit and have a sideline reporter every game? So now we get an on-court interview like that. And D-Book talking about the three. Yeah, one for four from three. Not a great shooting night. Here's his weekend. Golden State, he gets two boards shy of a triple-double. 25 points, 10 assists, eight boards. Then they take on Memphis. He drops a 40-burger on the Grizzlies, and he shoots 15 of 21 at a great shooting night then. And then Booker, 28 points, 11 assists, five boards in the garden. The rebounding in this game, do you mind if I cheat and look it up? The rebounding in this game was crazy. The Knicks, and it has a lot to do with Tom Thibodeau, who is one of the greatest defensive coaches of all time. I think he grates on teams after a while, and they – they're not able to perform as well. They learn so much about defense, but they're, I think they're always exhausted at the end of the year. So I don't like to say he's a great coach because I think he wears out his teams, but he's a defensive genius in the game, uh, in the NBA. The Suns had 47 rebounds to the Knicks 38. So this is the best rebounding team in basketball, and the Suns out-rebound them uh, by nine. And then even better, 18-13 to 13 offensive rebounds, Suns to Knicks. If you didn't get to see the game, the Suns rebounding, it was, it was amazing. I got, I got to look, how much did a Kogi have uh, on the glass? 
it's going to be one of those low numbers that shocked me because I thought it was a lot. No way. He only had four rebounds. Oh, my gosh. This guy is everywhere. It's amazing how many times I thought he had a rebound. Nurkic had four offensive rebounds. It was and uh, and Eubanks also had another four. And G- little Goodwin had three offensive rebounds. They were just in the heads of the Knicks all the time, fighting like crazy, getting extra possessions. It was not a great game as far as basketball purity is concerned. But it was such a tough, gritty win that it's got to get you jacked up. Again, seven-game winning streak for the Suns ever since D-Book uh, has, uh, has has stepped back into the lineup. Did I uh, did I only play one of the of the D-Books? I um, yeah, just one. Yeah, I think I've got a, I got another one with with him about as I was just talking about the rebounding. Uh, he made a comment that it was interesting. Usually a team that's the best rebounding team in, in basketball, yeah, I wouldn't say you succumb to it, but it's it's normally you don't try to punch them in the face with their strength. And that's exactly, exactly what the Suns did. Uh, we knew that coming into it. You know, Mitchell Robinson, Julius, Josh Hart, like those guys all lead the NBA in offensive rebounding. So we knew it was going to be a physical one. We knew it wasn't going to be easy at all, but... You know, we're tested. You know, we, uh, we have Warriors on this team. We have guys that are, you know, down to fight beginning to end. So, you know, those are the type of guys that you want to go to war with. I don't know. It's been a while since I sat and watched a November basketball game and started yelling in excitement at the, uh, at the television. I mean, I was. Uh, I, I would think. I think Jennifer said last night, "You all right?" You know, as I was yelling at book, yeah. I was like, "Of course I am. This is fantastic." What I was seeing. So, uh, Suns are off tonight. They uh, they travel to Toronto. They take on the Raptors tomorrow. The Raptors are right around five hundred. Have not been nearly as good as uh, as you would expect. But uh, but that that game uh, totally jacked me up with the Suns. All right, coming up next. I want to get hot and heavy into the Cardinals, and that'll last us for a while. And then Jeff Van Rapport's Rose Bowl winning quarterback is going to join us to talk about the Territorial Cup in about 30 minutes. So we've still got a lot to do, almost all football for the remaining 90 minutes of Doug Franz Unplugged. Thanks a lot for being part of it. Remember, this is the week of winners on WTSMTV.com. And I remember our second annual Christmas event, holiday event, is at Bell's National Kitchen on December 9th. Let's go. Get together, Unplugged Army. You know, I think that's a moment that will go down in my career. You know, a game winner with, was it, less than two seconds in the garden. You know, as a kid, that's all you dream about. You know, I'm happy to do it on the big stage. I know it's a little bit difficult to understand this, but right now is a fantastic time to get a new air conditioner. Your AC unit has worked unbelievably hard in one of the hottest summers on record in the city of Phoenix. Well, right now, Parker & Sons has stocked up on air conditioners for the summer, and now the summer's over. So they're not nearly as expensive to get those units because they need to move them on. So you get that tremendous advantage on price. Now, if you're not sure if you need a new air conditioner, join the Parker family plan. We've been on the Parker family plan since about, oh, I don't know, a year or two after we moved here, and it's been fantastic. 
I totally believe they helped extend the life of our current unit by keeping it up to date with its warranty, warned us of pending doom, we admit, and eventually we got a new one from Parker & Sons and saved a lot of money because we were on the Parker family plan. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Wow, I am. I can't wait to see the the remainder of the season for the Arizona Cardinals. This is, you talk about a test. This is a major test right now. Let me tell you the way a a locker room works. In a situation like this, this would be the first game where players. Players start talking a little bit where players will go to – they don't go to somebody in the media like to get it off their chest. But what will happen at a time like this is if you've got a relationship with a player, you'll try to get them in a situation where they're away from other members of the media and other players. Like maybe you're, you're kind of walking to a different area of the locker room together. There are certain areas where – uh, other rooms where a a member of the media is n- doesn't have access to. So as the player's walking to that area, you kind of walk with them. And you would say something like this, hey, how how's Kyler doing in in the meetings? Most players won't actually say the answer, but they'll look at you and do this. Yeah. The reason why I say that is the amount of misreads in this game yesterday has got to scare the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you have a right – oh, look at that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, By the way, I wish you would do that more often. You need to be on the show. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, nice enough to come in and give me uh, the sheet of the the cuts that I uh, had asked for. And when I say I had asked for – my job is to ask for them the night before, and I ask for them at like four thirty in the morning. So that's that's why you get a post-it note of the of the sheets. And if I'd have done my job, maybe it would have been a little different. Uh, so thank you, Jeff, for accommodating me. I um, I look at it and wonder if if we're there. I don't know how the players feel when it's game three of a guy coming back from a knee injury. Okay, it's only game three. But if I'm a player right now in the Cardinals, I got a big question that I'm wondering, okay? And the question I have is, what have you been doing while you were rehabbing? Why isn't the offense clicking? And for an example, the Cardinals had a fourth and two. I don't know if you remember the play. It's the two-minute warning hits, and they're going to go for it from around midfield on fourth and two. 
Uh, Jeff Weir Production, is there any chance uh, that you have that play? I don't have that particular play, no. Okay. I didn't get any highlights, I'm sorry. No, don't say you're sorry when I didn't give it to you until 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> there's, there's, I am the most accommodating person in the world when I'm the one. I don't even care if you don't have it when I tell you about it because I know your job is hard. But when I don't tell you about it until, hey, the show's going to start in a little bit, but could you find this? You know, I, I, I get it. Um, but on the fourth and two, if you get a chance to see a highlight today, and by the way, I agree with going for it there, and I agree with the play call. And not that you, I don't know if you care, but the reason why I agree with going for it is at that point, the Cardinals' defense, they weren't stopping anything. Okay. The Rams, they got stopped once, and the Rams are going right down the field. So you got to look at that and say, all right, if they're just marching right down the field, why would we punt and give them the ball back for a chance to score more? It's worth it to go for it to try to keep the ball out of their hands. And you might say, what? Why give them a short field? Does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're going as It doesn't matter if the field was 200 yards long. The Rams are going right through your defense. So I agree with going for it. The other reason why I agree with going for it is for some reason, Monty Ossenfort and uh, as, long as, as long as I'm at it, Kenny Dillingham, they're both trying to go as long as they can without finding a punter. Can somebody in Maricopa County punt? It is crazy how bad ASU and the Cardinals are at punting. But anyway, so I agree with going for it. When you see the play and you see the defense from the All-22 camera, I, it is so obvious that they're heavy to the strong side of the field with Trey McBride that if you're watching it, let's say not from the All-22, if you're watching it from the straight-on shot, then if you look to the bottom of the screen, the Kyler's got to know my angle route is going to be wide open. I've got a motion man and a receiver over there. One of those two should be open. And when you've heard me talk about pre-snap read, that's what I always do. That's the, that's the thing that defines the quarterback, okay? What is your pre-snap read telling you? So he goes into practice and it says, okay, read number one is Trey McBride. So he's thinking, that's my first progression. I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here. Okay. But the defense, even in pre-snap, is showing you, you're not going to get this here. And yet, he doesn't even see the weakness at, for us at the bottom of the screen. So his head is looking over there the whole time. So not only is that the strength of the defense, but he's also staring it down. So he misses about two and a half open receivers. And then he decides to throw it to McBride, and here's what's even worse. I would say McBride is never open, but there is a window for a split second you might be able to get the ball in. And right when that window opens up is when Kyler says, oh, the window is now opened, and I'm going to throw it. He doesn't anticipate that window open. So by the time the window opens and he lets it go, boom, the window is now closed. Fourth and two doesn't happen. Now, in the postgame presser, he talked about it. I'll get to that in a minute. But what would really concern me as a player is if your reputation is to the point where the owner of the team put a clause in your contract to please work hard on studying film. And now, in the last two games, you are either inaccurate or you're making bad reads. 
you, you, you decide if you want to be nice and say, Doug, it's game three, give the guy a break. Okay. I'm looking at it differently than you then. I'm looking at it as how many breaks does he get all of these years? Secondly, he left the game with a little bit of a hand problem, and, um, and then he was limping through some of the hits. And before you say, well, the offensive line's got to protect him. The quarterback protects themselves by understanding what the defense is doing and getting the ball out. It was bad. Now, I got a lot of thoughts on Drew Pedzing, too. I'll get to them in a second, but it was bad. First of all, let's get to the Jonathan Gannon. And, uh, and here's JG talking about the overall effort and energy of the game. Star had an ankle, wasn't able to return. And uh, other than that, I think we came out pretty clean. So um, not good enough, obviously, today. Felt like uh, we didn't match their level of effort and enthusiasm throughout the game. Uh, that falls solely on me. When you get beat like that, uh, we got to take a good hard look of how we're setting up the week because really wasn't competitive in my mind, and that's on me first and the coaches next. So got to put together a better plan going into Pittsburgh. Uh, I appreciate you always taking the blame, but – you're looking at the the plan of practice as as the reason? Nah, not really. Coach, well, the run defense is kind of amazing here. Williams had 143 rushes, excuse me, 143 yards rushing on only 16 carries. Then they were also able to throw him the ball six times. Two of the six went for touchdowns. Uh, tell me about the rush defense. Not good enough, obviously. You know, I think they had over 100 yards in explosive runs, not just the total run game, but the run, you know, just explosive runs. So misfit here, bad technique here, you know, bad call here. It's all of us together. It's not never one thing. The run defense is all 11, but um, we got to play better in the run game. Okay. That I just wanted you to know that that stat was amazing. They really care about explosive plays and gave up over 100 yards rushing and explosive plays alone. This one, the next couple answers I don't like from Jonathan Gannon. Uh, this is one where Cam Cox, 12 News, asks a good question. Did Kyler Murray take a step back this weekend? No, I wouldn't say that. I think, you know, he wants to get some in rhythm and get some plays going and put some pressure on the defense. You know, when you're playing left-handed, it's hard to play any position out there. So, um, you know, he's the ultimate competitor. He'll come back in here ready to work. So, but it's it's not on one guy. It's the whole operation from coaching on down. we got to play better. Now, when he said play left-handed, he didn't mean the right hand hurt so bad he only had one hand. He clarified later in the presser that what he meant by that comment was that you're kind of you're, you're not two-dimensional. You're you're trailing so you're not able to run the football and they were kept getting three and out so they couldn't get a sustainable drive and then you're not able to balance out run pass, mix in some different plays, things like that. Okay, I I, I get that. But, J.G., why sugarcoat it? That, to me, is an answer of a guy that didn't want to face the truth about his quarterback. Possibly, he's looking at us as a fan base and saying, why should I tell you? Why should I tell you? If I talk about – if I say, yes, he did take a step back, I've lowered his trade value in the offseason if we're going to trade him, and 
Or he's thinking, if I have something to tell Kyler, I'll say it to his face. I'm not going to say it through the media. I hope it's the latter, but I think your team, the players on the team, would have liked a little more honesty there and say, yeah, you know, Kyler struggled. I, I don't think Kyler had a good game. But uh, And if you want to say, Sugar Coat, say he didn't take a step back, go ahead. But acknowledge that Kyler was bad because every player on your team knows he was. And I, I thought that was a mistake by JG. Now, at the beginning of the presser, you heard Jonathan Gannon, and we already played it, saying that they lacked effort and energy out on the field. When he was asked to expound on that, he kind of backtracked his comments a little bit. The effort was there. When I say effort, I just felt like our enthusiasm and our energy levels probably wasn't effort. Um, that's probably the wrong statement by me because these guys come out and they battle and they tee it up. It was the the emotion and enthusiasm of, of the game. I felt like we're just a little deflated and that's that's on me. You know what I mean? So I got to look at a critical eye how we set up this last week and it wasn't good enough. Why? Why backtrack? There was a play in this game where I, I got to give tons of credit to. It really showed me something. Uh, officially, Kyler Murray has no interceptions in this game. He did throw one, but a penalty called it back, and it was good. I, I think he saw the flag. I think he knew the penalty, and I think he took a chance. And th So that, that's not a real pick by any stretch of the imagination. When you know you've got a free play, you're trying to hit one, and if it doesn't work, so what? You know you get the ball back. So nothing negative on, on him for that pick. But on that play, Paris Johnson hustled back 30 yards, got the angle, ran like crazy, and made a tackle. That play doesn't count. It goes down just as a defense. I think it was um, illegal contact. It just goes down as a penalty forever. Nobody ever talks about it. But really think of this. This is a beat-down game. Your team's getting embarrassed. You've only won two games on the season. You're winding off the, the rest of the year, and this is the kind of effort. That, that shows you that's a competitor. If you ever want to watch film – and be like a draft nicker. If you ever wonder what people that get prepared for the draft really look for, they lo exactly look for that because that shows you no matter what, that guy's going to compete. That guy hates losing. There are a lot of players that quit in a situation like that. So Paris Johnson does it. So I want to give Paris a big, a big shout-out. But that's why I accept that – um, I almost said Cliff, that Jonathan Gannon's trying to backtrack his comments about effort. But I don't think you should. I don't think you should backtrack that. When you look at how bad the rush defense was, can you say your front seven and, and maybe your interior safeties, everybody's doing everything they can on every play? I, I'm not so sure. And then the last one, he was asked a specific question by our friend Bobby Back, uh, Bobby uh, Bobby McManaman, Arizona Republic, in which that last play of the half, if you didn't get a chance to see the game, uh, Cardinals hit a huge long field goal at the end of the first half to make the game look reasonably close. However, there was a holding penalty. Good call. Referees did not blow the call. They made a good call, holding penalty. And then on a penalty that's on the offense, a quarter is allowed to end. Penalties on the defense, you get what's called an untimed down. 
So therefore, there's no extra play. That's the end of the half. Take the three points off the board. So Bobby Mack asked Jonathan Gannon when he mentioned about effort and and enthusiasm lacking, if possibly that play at the end of the second half, at the end of the first half, really rubs guys the wrong way and and, and can create a lack of enthusiasm. I don't. Again. I- you know how I let off this thing, not lack of. I just didn't think it's where it has been. Um, yeah, when you put points on the board there, I thought we executed that well. You know, Jalen has the interception. Um, we have a couple plays right there. We used the clock the right way. We had timeouts. Uh, and then we bang it through to cut the lead there. You know, you feel a little bit better going into half, knowing that you're getting the ball coming out of half, and they called what they called. So, but, you know, that's on me. A, a well-trained psychological team doesn't let what happened in the past affect them moving forward. So I got to do a better job of that. I love that comment. I didn't like the other two. I love that one. And and because he's saying a well-coached team from a psychological standpoint doesn't get down some of the times I've really been all over Tori Lovello of the Diamondbacks the last couple years was where when the Diamondbacks if they got punched in the mouth in the third inning it took them two innings while they staggered before they got back to competing again that used to drive me nuts and I like that he's calling that out that if you are so weak that losing three points at the half is going to be somewhere where you're not competing the rest of the second half, then you've either got the wrong players, the wrong coach, or both. I don't really think that that was it. I mean, partially it's what I've been saying all year. I don't think they're very good, and their record shows you that they're not very good. But also, when you you do have quite a bit of injuries, you've got issues. But this offensive line, DJ Humphreys is having one of his worst years. Froholt, I think, is a wonderful backup center. He would never, ever start on a playoff caliber team. And I think you've got maybe one backup guard and one guard that's not really NFL quality. So that that's your offensive line. And Paris Johnson Jr. is learning. He does a lot of good things, and then every now and then ooh, he, he gets busted. Um, I'm going to get to Kyler now, and then I'll get to Drew Pensing in in, in just a second. Um, Kyler, are you are are you down about this performance? Is this going to get you down this week? No, not at all, not at all. Um, staying positive, staying positive. You know, this is my third game, uh, seventh week of practice. Um, there's obviously growing pains with this. You know, it's um, you know, it's, like I said, it's my third game. Um, a new scheme, new everything for me. Um, so I'm not, I'm not discouraged at all by it. You know, I know we'll, we'll be better because of it, but you know, these are some of the things that we got to go through uh, as part of it. I want to be fair. Okay. It's about a six minute press conference. And at the beginning, he talks about how the team himself included wasn't good enough. And there are other parts in the presser where he says the same thing. I don't consider it taking out of context, giving you a full answer to one question. Okay, that to me is not taking it out of context. But I want to make sure that you understand before I say this, the general theme he had been talking about throughout the presser was that all of them weren't good enough. I don't mind that he says we're going to stay positive. I did like him saying, "Yeah, but it's my third game," and he said that twice. Twice. It's it's in a new offense. Things like that. The reason why I don't like that is because Kyler, 
you should allow the media to say that for you. If you're saying it, that is you're giving yourself excuses. You're 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 giving yourself reasons why you struggled instead of just saying, "Man, I've had plenty of time to get used to this offense. I've had plenty of time." And now that I've had game three game reps, I've got to be better. And he didn't do that. And I, I didn't like that answer. But you might think that that is taking it out of context, and we're disagreeing on what that phrase means. So I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be fair. Uh, the next one is just simply personal. How are you handling this loss? And how are you really handling getting to know this offense? Are you struggling with it? We just got our ass kicked. I mean, that was. Um... Played a good football game last week, you know, won the week before, but this one was, you know, it's probably like first time all year we, we just got beat, you know, uh, terribly. So, uh, you know, we got to flush it and move on, got a good Pittsburgh Steelers team next week. Now, I want to tell you the way I look at it on this show is I will always do whatever I can to keep cussing out of the show because I want you to be able to listen with your kids. At the same time, I don't. Unless somebody drops an F-bomb or something, I usually don't bleep out comments of players or quotes. And the reason why is I want you to be able to hear them uh, in in their entirety and what they're saying on that. But it was interesting when Kyler said that, that you know, it's the first time that we really got beat. Okay. Uh, so far on the season, they lost at San Francisco 35-16. to Home to Cincinnati, thirty-four to twenty. They lost to the Rams previously, twenty-six to nine, and the last game without Kyler, they got shut out, twenty-seven to nothing. That again is one of those statements where, when you, if you are one that loves Kyler, believes in Kyler, never doubted Kyler, you're not going to like this opinion. For me, somebody that said they should have traded Kyler two years ago, I look at that statement. I say, interesting. It's the first time that you guys really got beat. Like, you weren't there with your team when you're getting shut out in Cleveland. You're not really there the last time the Rams put it on you. That's the way Kyler thinks. And some of you will say, I don't care. Kyler wasn't on the field. But if you're really with your team, did you really feel the same pain they did when they lost without you. But now that you get beat down, now you say this is the first time we did that. No, it's not, Kyler. No, it's not. All right. This one I liked. It does seem to be that he saw the film, saw the iPad, and realized he screwed up. I mentioned the fourth and two, his bad read. Kyler, what happened on that fourth and two? Yeah. Um, didn't, uh, didn't execute. Uh, probably could have got through it. Rondale's open, uh, last read late. Um, but you know, you got an internal clock in your head as quarterback, so it's just tough, but, uh, we can be better. I like it that he recognized Rondale Moore was open. I didn't like how he just said last read late internal clock. I got to go. It is true. I totally believe that especially being a right-handed quarterback his read is right to left I totally believe that his number one option his number one read was Trey McBride I get it okay but this is the separation and he to me he's just admitted it between elite quarterbacks and a Kyler Murray the defense totally shows you that the open receivers are going to be to your left 
but you don't see that coverage. So you think I've got to just run my progressions. I'll go here. I'll go here. I'll go. They got Aaron Donald. We need you to see in that pre-snap read that we're going to go somewhere else with the ball to get the first down. And he didn't do it. Now, my thoughts on Drew Petzing, let me give you the, 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 one of the craziest opinions you've ever heard. But after this game, I'm really wondering something, okay? And that's this. Is there any chance the Arizona Cardinals aren't necessarily calling plays to win the game? They're calling plays to evaluate Kyler Murray's ability to run this offense. That's a harsh statement. Okay, scouting departments, general managers, owners, they tank. Coaches don't necessarily tank. Players never tank. Players might quit, but they never tank. Coaches, they're judged by wins and losses. They rarely ever tank. But when I watched that game, where were the screen passes? Where were the quarterback draws? Why would, did Connor only have six carries? Where were the off-tackle runs where Kyler Murray quickly takes the snap, Connor comes out to block, and Kyler takes up off of tackle? There are a lot of plays that you go to the outside to try to stretch defensive linemen, to try to get a guy as brilliant and great as Aaron Donald, and as great as that whole D-line is because of Aaron Donald. There are a lot of things you can plays you can call to try to mitigate the pass rush. Screens, draws, and quarterback runs to the outside. That mitigates the pass rush. Where were those play calls? And it's not like Drew Petzing doesn't know this. That's the thing. I mean, maybe you've already decided, hey, Drew Petzing's an idiot. Fire him now. Okay? That might be your thought process. I'm not there. I think he knows that. I think he knows those types of plays eliminate the pass rush. So why didn't he call them? If I'm right that he knows that, is there any chance they wanted to see whether or not he could get through his pre-snap read, post-snap validation, and get the ball out quickly enough in their offense by game three of his career in the offense? And if he couldn't, they're going to continue this evaluation the rest of the year. I think the number one thing you have to know as an organization by the time this season ends is one simple question. Is Kyler Murray the quarterback of the future? To me, they coach this game with that question in mind and not trying to beat the Rams in mind. If they really did put together a plan that was supposed to beat the Rams, Drew Petzing, what are you doing? I mean, what what are you doing? Where You clearly do not have the offensive line to stop their defensive line. So how did you not run a screen until I think it was late in the third quarter? It might have been early in the fourth quarter. That was your first screen. Where was the quarterback draws? Where was the sprints? It's a really bad game plan if that was designed to beat the Rams. And I'm not willing to look at Drew Pensing and think you're that dumb. Because that guy's head just looks like he's got a big brain, okay? there's There had to be a reason. And the only thing I can come up with is they're evaluating Kyler Murray. And he passed with flying colors in game one, and he flunked the last two. All right, there's my uh, uh, all of my Arizona Cardinals. Coming up next, 
Oh, he's up. Oh, great. Well, then that's wonderful. Let's not let's let's say screw the break because he's on a little vacation and I don't want to waste his time watching my commercials. So we'll hit a break after he's off. Let's talk territorial cup right now. Jeff Van Rapport's live in North Carolina. Uh, why are you in North Carolina? Just being friends. Like what's going on in life? Um, I got a little days of work back here. I do do a lot of work in North Carolina in Q4. So, uh, uh, as much as I wish it was uh, vacation, oh. it's the opposite. So I still work in medical, doing my day job. Okay. Man, I thought you owned that company by now. No, no. <laughs> no, we had a small – I had a small distribution company with a gentleman named Chris Benton in town, and we sold that a couple of years ago. So working for a really good company here called Barricade and liking it, enjoying it. But now getting to talk to you live on the air. Oh, Doug Franz right. unplugged. I like it. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Uh I, you are the one that always does a great job of putting me in my place when I deserve it, but sometimes telling me when I'm right when I didn't even know. I asked Kenny Dillingham the question after the Territorial Cup of rate the valley. He's the one that came up with the phrase activate the valley. He's the one that says we've got to go all in, and I don't know how you would ballpark it. I'm going to say it was a pretty even 50-50 split or so. Red t-shirts to ASU maroon and gold at that game on Saturday. What did you think about how the Valley is done? Because he said point blank, I've got a fundraise, number one. And he said, we are Fairweather fans, and I need you to support the program first. And that's when the wins come. And there's not a lot of coaches, Jeff, that are that honest. Yeah, I think Kenny's been very honest. I mean, you know, I think he's a local kid, so he, Kenny feels like he's not a transient. He's one of he's one of the Valley. He grew up here. You know, he coached here. He went to school here. His wife's from here. And so he's been very transparent with, we need to get everybody involved. And and I think he's right. If You know, if you look at ASU over the decades, um, you know, obviously when I played, it was a sold-out crowd. I mean, the fans were amazing. Um, the The coverage in the Arizona Republic at the time was awesome. You know, the the Jeff Metcalfs and the Doug Hollers and, and a lot of those guys that have left and moved on, you know, the 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 coverage just isn't there anymore. And, you know, the Valley isn't, I don't think, is connected. But some of that, I'm sure, is because of baseball. Some of that, I'm sure, is because of hockey. You know, the different sporting options are there. But keep in mind, there's over 300,000 alumni in town. You know, so if you just get one out of four of those, you're at 75,000. Yes. And if you get one out of eight buying tickets, right, you know, you're at 37.5. And so you start to look at the numbers of of what you've got, you know, to to really sell out that place and make it an experience. I think so much of college athletics is game day experience. And, you know, you you want that thing packed every week. I have been on that sideline before where recruits are standing near me and they've made comments about players getting booed by the fans they've made comments about the game day experience I remember standing on the field for a homecoming against Colorado and there was something like 25,000 people in the stands you know and and, and guys were so wow this is homecoming and you could hear it from those players and yet for some reason when people like me say that back on the old show people get outraged at me and I used to say there's Rose Bowl expectations and Sun and Sun Bowl support and man everybody thought I was the jerk because I said that so I ask you the beloved ASU uh, Rose Bowl winning quarterback 
why why doesn't that message resonate to, for fans to understand exactly what Kenny's saying that in college sports whether it's fair or not support does have to come first so are you looking for like moral compensation now so I go from radio color analyst to uh, peer psychologist is that yes the, uh... yes oh <laughs> um, you know it, it's interesting when I went to grad school I was I, I wanted to do my senior paper on the and analyze the variables of um, the effects of, you know, a large metropolitan city, international airport, and then you start to take the number of variables, the number of pro teams. And if you look around the country at your top programs, you know, give me your top 10 real quick. Uh, football top programs? Top 10 football programs year in, from support, year in and year out. I would go Alabama. I'd go Georgia. I'd go Columbus. I'd go Ohio State, I mean. I would go Michigan. Uh, I would, if we're just talking support, I'd even go Oklahoma and Texas as far as support is concerned. Um, who else that I would I put on that list? I, I, I would say those are my top five. Okay. So Alabama, no pro sports in Birmingham. Or excuse me, Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Closest, closest. Or, or Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah. Right. Georgia, Athens, a little bit away from Atlanta. They're kind of their own deal. But Atlanta probably has is the closest metroplex to it. Ohio State, Columbus doesn't have that. Michigan doesn't have that. Oklahoma doesn't have that. Texas has that a little bit. But Austin, Texas is a massive city. There's no pro right. team in Austin. Don't yeah, you think, so though? I would say Michigan does, though. Don't you think uh, Ann Arbor is Detroit enough? Is Detroit enough? Yeah, you know, and it's enough. We're 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 talking Phoenix and Glendale, which is basically one one community. All right, we're talking you know Phoenix and Phoenix and Tempe, and so you know, so you you definitely have to deal with that. I mean, let's be honest. There's there's there is an economic side to it. Then I think it gets down to, you know, connectivity. Do the do the fans feel connected to the Sun Devils? Are they part of it? And I think that's why Kenny Dillingham was hired. Right, people, mm -hmm. they want to go. Oh, I remember Kenny when he coached here. He's from here. He's one of us. He can say that kind of stuff. Back to your question, you know, are we a Rose Bowl expectation with Sun Bowl, you know, realistic things? At times, at times we have been, and I think it's important that fans realize that it's it's about the it's about the experience for them as consumers, and it's about the experience for the players. You know, when they people, the players want to play in front of a sold out crowd. They want to play where everything is just on fire and it has that gladiator atmosphere where people are committed. I give the example around the conference, you know, Utah, I think they've got something like 88 straight sellouts. Yes. Now, if you're if you're Kyle Whittingham and you're recruiting at Utah, you can have the recruit come pretty much any game because it's going to be a sellout. It's, it's going to have different degrees of attendance, uh, things like that. But if your other schools around the conference, hey, come this game. We know this is going to be a special game. Come for CU because Coach Prime's here. You know, we're going to take him to the limit. We should have beat him. You know, that kind of a scenario. So um, I think Kenny's right. I think I think in, in your right, and I think if fans are realistic, um, the size of the size of the valley, the number of alumni that we have here, uh, you know, this concept that we're a sleeping giant, you know. It's been overused. I'm tired of it. I think we got to get rid of it, right? Yeah. Because really, what that says is we haven't lived up to our any expectation of what we could or should be. Yeah. And if everybody keeps saying it, we're not there. Then that's our reality. Let's face it. Let's move on. The question is, how do we fix it? Mm. And I think that's where Kenny, 
is really wise. He's being very transparent with people. He wants to be here. He hired Brian Ward. He brought back Vince Amy. Uh, Charlie Regal has got local ties. DJ Foster is involved in player development. He's bringing back these Sun Devil alumni and greats that, that to try to invest in the program. And now what he's doing is he's reaching out his hand, you know, outside of Tempe across Rio Salado. And he's saying, Hey, you know, I need you to get involved. And it, whether it's a little or a lot or whatever, he's not saying I need you to give me X amount of money. What he's saying is I need everybody to get involved. Mm. And, and that's really kind of the, the message, you know, do what you can do, but do something. For as much as you're comfortable, because I don't know how many fans know this, but being the color analyst on radio, you are a very well-respected and trusted guy. And, and, and yes, I'm being cheeseball a little bit, but it's true. The, the coaches trust you. You've been in a lot of meetings. You've seen the interior workings of this program. How do you rate year one under Kenny Dillingham when you're looking at all of the things that none of us really know, especially when it comes to the ups and downs of trying to develop a culture, such as benching your best chance to win when you finally have named a kid a starting quarterback and then he misses a meeting, or he's late to a meeting, I should say. Yeah, I think, you know, Kenny, if you I, I tried to get to it in the air and I didn't I didn't really put an analysis to it or any kind of calculation. But if you just took a look at the number of variables that Kenny had and, and compare them to the last, you know, seven coaches since 2020, I think Kenny's the seventh coach. I had it. Oh, my, my football gosh. Stats. Um, <laughs> you can look at six or seven. But in, in that's County Sean Aguano was an interim yep. in there for a while who who actually did a coach. Guano's great. Um, I think Kenny did an awesome job. But I, I think the number of variables that he got hit with is so unfair. I mean, it's it's kind of like coming out trying to start a business during COVID or during a recession when, you know, the government's just screwing everything up. And you look at this and you just kind of go, how, how are we going to get this done? Kenny's facing probation. He's got the second most transfers of any school in the country behind Colorado. He's got to get that going. He had a linebacker on the team who violated team rule who's going to be a starter, and, and he – Set him packing before the season. Again, committed to culture. Obviously, you mentioned what happened with the quarterback being late to a meeting, didn't start him, uh, committed to culture. And what he's saying is, I, I love you guys. I want you on the team. I recruited you. You're part of the team. But, you know, like Warren Buffett says, culture trumps everything. And, and he's trying to build he's trying to build culture in a day where it's a it's turned into even more of a gladiator economic you know, monster, right? Players are players have agents now. Players get NIL now. Players get paid, and everybody's thinking about things that maybe pro athletes did. Am I ready to get back on the field? You know, do I want to get back on the field? How many more years? We had a, we had a our, we had a left tackle this year, not travel to Utah, and then ended up quitting the team because if he played, he would have lost his redshirt. Now he could hit the transfer portal and have two years. Wow. And. Yeah, that kind leave. I just it's I can't even fathom leaving your guys and not playing in games, and especially you're going up, you know, to Utah, playing against a great team. If you really want to be great and you're a a left tackle, then go to Utah and put tape up and really, really play well, right? Stand out, be be exceptional. But so Kenny had all that going. Then he's got you know obviously the. You know, the situation that's going on now, he's got a new AD. So the, the guy who hired him is no longer his boss when that when that changes. Um, he's trying to get the Valley going. He's dealing with a different recruiting cycle. 
early NIL, late transfer windows, what's going on. Um, I don't know if, if you listened to the postgame show that we had with Kenny, but I thought he was great. You know, we talked – that was a question I asked him after the game. <clears throat> Kenny was – he thanked the um, the starters for their contributions. And he was really honest. He goes, you know, nobody's going to remember this team. He goes, but I'm going to remember the team. They meant a lot to me. They helped me lay the culture and the foundation. So I asked him on his blueprint, what does year two look like in year three? And he said, well, year two, you know, he was very specific. I think he said we need 33 players and we need X number of offensive linemen, some wideouts. And he went through it and he's got a really detailed plan. And then when I asked him about recruiting, I said, how does recruiting work these days? And his comment was something to the effect of it's not like the old days where you could outwork somebody. It now there's more people, there's more, there's more involved. And I said, is that are you recruiting parents, kids or their agents? And, and he said, unfortunately, a lot of times it's the latter. Wow. The discussion go towards business. And, you know, his comments on the postgame show were that he needs to be able to tell players that he's recruiting, that if you play at Arizona state, this is what that position can pay. And you look at that and you just shake your head. So now he's managing the equivalent of an NFL salary cap. He's trying to raise money where the NFL gets a split equal pool. Yeah. Right. So they know what they're dealing with. Each college university doesn't know what they're dealing with. Now, President Crow actually donates. If you look at athletic uh, revenue from the university to athletics, he's one of the best in the country at that. He actually funds athletics really well. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I had him at one point last couple weeks ago, but looking at him. And so I give him a lot of credit for that. I think he wants to win. Um, but that's all that Kenny's faced with, right? Coach Dillingham has got a lot on his plate. Now he's got to worry about recruiting, early signing period, December, kids hitting the transfer portal that he's trying to recruit. Then he's got to recruit his own kids, right? And, you know, some kids are frustrated at the end of the year. You have your exit interviews and you sit down and say, you know, how did you think the season went? And um, and you have to recruit never your own players. Dillingham, but I got a feeling it's pretty, very honest. Yeah, yeah. So, Jeff, when you look at this question, I, I uh, go ahead and I can't wait to see if you text me after we're done with, with this question. Last week, I was asked by 12 News, because I do a hit with them every Sunday night, who would be my choice to replace Ray Anderson? And my choice is you. For about two years, you do it, and then the Paris Olympics are coming up. Rocky Harris worked in this organization, worked for the program. He was also a graduate of the program. He doesn't – I don't think he wants the job now because the, he's the head of USA Triathlon. He wants to get through everything to do with the Paris Olympics, and he wants his kids to get a little older in Colorado. And then he'll look at things. We need a guy who's a bridge. We need a guy who can sell because you know sales is important, that can connect. You've run a business. You're involved in so many different things. You're somebody that the community trusts, and I know how much you love this university. Would that remotely interest you? I mean, I think anybody who played here, you know, would be interested in, you know, talking about or looking at, at that position. You know, you want your university to be great. You want people to be engaged. You know, at, at the same time that I know I, I hire people, you know, I built sales teams, I built, you know, operational teams and you got to get the, it's got to be the right fit and it's got to be the right fit for the university. You know, if you look at a coach, let's flip the tables though, say that you're the AD, Doug, and you're looking for a coach, you're looking for a scheme, you're looking for, 
uh, experience, but you're looking for culture, you're looking for passion, right? There's different boxes that everybody checks off. And, and that's what, you know, President Crow's going to really have to weigh because this is a really important hire for him. You know, ASU's in a, in a really critical period, I think, from the standpoint of, you know, it, it's a resource race and the game, the whole college game has shifted. Um, I think ASU was a little bit late to the NIL reality. You don't have to, I think, you don't have to like NIL, um, but you have to realize that that's the new, that's the new reality. Hmm. And you better start playing in it very, very quickly. Um, and I think that NIL reality is going to keep changing. Um, at the same time, you know, you look around ASU, there's a lot of great platforms. I think Ray Anderson really did a lot of great things. You know, look at hockey, look at Muller Arena, um, look at the naming rights for the stadium. You know, you just travel around the campus and look at the facilities. Um, you know, they're phenomenal. But at, at the end of the day, the number one thing that the AD is going to have to do is he's going to have to, you know, connect with the community and get people involved. And people need to feel like, you know, we're a state university. We're not, you know, Harvard. We're not, my son went to Duke, you know. I mean, they make three phone calls and they've got enough funding to do what they want to do, right? <laughs> um, that's not our scenario. You know, we're a state university. And the strength is that we're in a state that's large. We're in a state that's growing. We have opportunity and we need to leverage that. And at a large scale and, and realize that we're not going to win the way other teams do, but we got to win and we got to get there. So, you know, I applaud the coaches for what they're having to go through, you know, looking forward to Iowa's diversity. I appreciate the kind words, but, you know, that's something Doug, that, that, you know, uh, Michael Crow's going to have to figure out, you know, and, and, and he'll get somebody good. You know, they've, they've got an interim interim in there right now. Um, just excited to see where they go. More importantly, I just want to see what the Valley does. You know, I know that, Sometimes the best leadership is not from the top down, but it's self-leadership. Mm -hmm. And I think the Valley can set the leadership example right now. If, if they want to jump in and create the monster, then, then they could do it. And I challenge everybody who's a Sun Devil fan, if you're a fan, get involved to some degree. It doesn't have to be a lot. If you've got a lot, give a lot. If you've got a little, give a little. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's the old parable in the Bible, right? The, the old lady, the old widow gave all she had, but it was just, mm -hmm. it was very anything. But it meant a lot. And it was, that's what we're looking for. Well, all that answer did was enhance my desire to name you the athletic director. Uh, so good job. No, I, I appreciate it. You know, you know, you've been, you've been great. It, it's been fun. I, I want to help put it that way. Yeah. I want to be like everybody else. I want to be part of the team. I want to fix this thing. Uh, last one. Cause I know you've got a life and you've got a business that you've got to run and you got like real things going on. And that is just simply, as soon as I say that was the last time you've called a game in the pac 12 was Saturday. What what are you yeah. thinking? Is there any how much is it excitement for the Big 12? How much is it still frustration that we're we don't have a Pac-12 anymore? Where are you at as a guy that really did lead a team to the Rose Bowl? Yeah, you just it's funny. I just took a big inhale. I crossed my arms. My body language just shifted. I all saw the it. telltale all the telltale indicators of oh boy, here it comes, right? Um I keep going back to the first word that, that I thought of when this happened is that I'm pissed. I am just just pissed at the um, the, the lack of leadership within the Pac-12 that let this happen. I mean, they had the golden goose. They had the entire pretty much Western U.S. Um, 
not from a population standpoint, but just from a coverage standpoint. And and that's where it's moving. People are moving to Colorado and Oregon and Idaho. Well, not Oregon. Nobody goes to Oregon. Um, <laughs> Idaho, you know, they're moving to Arizona, right? And, you know, parts of Texas, you know, we could have picked off potentially some Texas schools a couple of years ago. So it was just a missed opportunity. Um, extremely bummed for the fans, our fans. You know, we got to go to two Rose Bowls and there was a lot of work that was done by players in front of me, by coaches, by Dick Tamburos, the Frank Cushes, you know, the, the coaches that worked their way through the, the whack. And then, you know, then we got into the Pac-10 and made that jump. Um, you know, that's why I came here. I wanted to play in a Rose Bowl. My dad actually played for Ohio State. And uh, his team one year won the Rose Bowl. And they, they had played the year before and when he wasn't there. And they, the faculty did not let him go in year two. That was back when there wasn't just enough, enough money. Yeah. And um, isn't that crazy? So I grew up with the Rose Bowl and now it's gone. You know, the last game, what hit me hard was not this game. What hit me hard was the Rose Bowl. Oh, broadcasting UCLA, in UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. In Pasadena. I thought that that's just our fans aren't going to get to go there, you know, every other year, be a part of that. And, you know, the whole concept of, you know, right now it's it used to be the it's called the granddaddy of them all. Right. The bowl game. Mm-hmm. And I think. The e- economics have shifted, so now it's the sugar daddy of them all. You know, they all want to be the biggest sugar daddy, and and who can generate the <clears throat> the most dollars? So, yeah, I think it's extremely frustrating. I just I'm I'm glad that we're in a conference now in the Big Twelve with uh, with Mr. Yormack that is aggressive and progressive. It doesn't sit still. It doesn't wait for your contract to expire. It's okay to go renegotiate a contract earlier and and leverage out your competition and you know. And if you do it right, if you have your strategic plan, you can run a – I mean, literally, they ran a conference out of business. You're right. I mean, that's mind-boggling. And there's just – and there's still hundreds of millions of dollars in the conference and residual revenue coming in that they're arguing over now. Yeah. Somebody was in charge of that, and they just got whooped. It'll, it'll, be, an, it'll be a really interesting Harvard Business Review to read, you know, in four or five years when you look at um, – how that shifted, you know, what did they miss in the cultural landscape and the TV landscape, you know, the whole cable subscription thing. Um, you know, nobody wants to do that. You know, we, you know, recruits in California couldn't watch their kids play. Their parents couldn't watch them play because we had bad TV contracts. You know, all of those things are just, Oh, mind boggling, perplexing and, and great talk. If good stuff to talk about on Doug Franz unplugged. Well, this is why you're a brilliant candidate for AD, because if you ask me, I'm going to say, I can't wait to watch this 30 for 30 on ESPN. And what do you say? I can't wait to read the Harvard business review. See what I mean? See the gap between all of us common folk and you. And yet you come across as our lovable quarterback. See, that's exactly why you're the guy. The reason I want to read that, I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. The reason I want to read it is they'll, they'll do all the analysis and so we don't have to. We can, It's like picking up the cheat sheet, right? I mean, it's somebody somebody puts it together. But, you know, I don't know. I just I, I am excited for the Big 12. I'm excited to go to new cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the one thing I think is, is interesting within a conference is you lose, <clears throat> the, you lose the ability to see different cities and and generate additional fans and expand your fan base you know our alumni network's pretty large especially when you get in texas and, and you know we've had limited places to go so to be able to go to texas tech you know and see some of these schools i gotta grab a map <clears throat> i know we play at cincinnati i know i think we play at ucf this year i gotta look at you know where we go but uh it should be a fun travel year for fans to, to jump on and get involved um but man again a lot of newness right you yeah. know 
it's we're all going to be in this together. We're, we're going down the river. The river's going to push and push us and curve us different ways. So let's all just get in the boat and paddle hard. That's our job. Paddle. My, just hey, row. I, I know you're on the middle of a business trip. Uh, we call it the unplugged army. Every listener greatly appreciates you taking a minute. My best to Chris and the kids. Thanks for your time, my friend. Take care, guys. Go See Devils. Ya. There is Jeff Van Raphorst, Rose Bowl winning quarterback, who uh, I, could that have been any better for him to just flat out say, point blank, I'm still pissed about the Pac-12 breaking apart and after doing his last game and saying, yes, Kenny Dillingham's right. We've got to generate the support. And most importantly to me, he never said no. He never said, listen, that's not the job for me. I shouldn't be athletic director. I, he said, I just want to help in whatever they want. That guy should be the AD for about two or three years. And then if he wants to keep it full-time, let's talk about that. Let's evaluate him like anybody else. If he, if he goes up in smoke, if he flames out, I know who my candidate is already. I kind of like Rapper as an, as an interim uh, AD, but if he does a great job, hire him full-time. Uh, I think he'd be fantastic. All right, coming up next, let's get into the game itself. The comments of Kenny Dillingham that we've already mentioned. And Jed Fish had some strong comments about his future. That's all coming up next. Thanks for watching Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Uh, really jacked up about that conversation with Jeff Ann Raphorst. I think that was just perfect for us, for us to get kind of the information we need. But I didn't go hot and heavy into the game. I figured we could spend more time with Kenny Dillingham doing, uh, doing that. And uh, he spelled it out pretty well at the very beginning. If you don't mind, let's just go and order Jeff Weir production on our Kenny Dillingham and our Jed Fish sound before we're joined by uh, Steve McCollum talking about the main event today. This was the quarterback situation. Kenny, what, what you got? We, we heard a report that Rashad is going to be the starting quarterback, and then suddenly it's Trenton Borgay, and then it's a tight end. Yeah, uh, I don't want to get too into to one piece of it. Obviously, Jaden was going into the week as the starter. Um, and then, uh, you know, actually it was reported on. He was late to a meeting. And uh, we have policies. And one thing we're not going to do is I'm not going to be a coward. If I say there's a standard for the program, there's going to be a standard for the program. And uh, whether that hurts us or doesn't hurt us, that's the foundation we're trying to set. And uh, then Trenton uh, was going to go, and he got sick. So his brother started puking, and then he started puking, uh, and he had. So we tried to get him back, but he just he just said, "I was I'm sick, I'm puking, uh, I can't I can't go." So we then went into the wildcat mode mold there uh, for to start it up. 
How soon before the game was it that he said he couldn't go? Uh, on the field. Like right, literally, is your uh, no, 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 no. Dur during pregame, okay. so we so we knew, so we got to be able to put together uh, a pretty scripted drive from the uh, the Hellcat uh, deal and uh, try to put our players in the best position to be successful. Uh, <laughs> I, I like uh, he did say that like it's not an excuse. Oh no, we had plenty of time. We found out during warmups. <laughs> we had plenty of time to put together our offense. It obviously U of A clearly went into it thinking Rashada was the quarterback because they were terrible on the first drive. Now, if you're a U of A fan, you're like, how are we the rest of the game? Yeah, I get it. But man, that first drive, it was it was like clearly you hadn't practiced any of the swinging gate gadget plays of ASU. They stuffed it down your throat, and then eventually uh, Rashada came in, and boy, his his two interceptions were really, really bad picks. I mean, that was kind of like what what aren't you seeing? Young quarterback hasn't played in a long time, still just a freshman, got to process things. I get it, but there was no checking the read saying, okay, I've got to look here. Where is that safety before I let it rip? Really, really struggled. Um, here's a question in which Kenny was asked about the expectations for him where you clearly wanted to do better than having a three-win season. And, and listen to what he said. I mean – I mean, I didn't take this job and expect to go win eight games. This was, yes. So the buy-in, what we're doing, the direction we're going, 100%. I mean, it's the direction that needs to be headed. It's what needed to be done this year. Uh, even though it's not fun to lose games like this, it's not fun for all this stuff. Sometimes it's needed. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to bounce back up. And where we were as a program uh, in the direction we're going, I have 1,000% confidence uh, that the ball's bouncing up, not down. But I do believe you, we finally hit rock bottom. I, I think any, everybody knows that. And then once you hit it, you start going up. And I believe that's what we're doing. Some people don't like honest coaches. They feel like don't let the public or other recruits or other people know just how bad it is. I love it. He said we hit rock bottom. He admits that. He knows it. And it's during his watch, in a sense, even though there's no way you would have recovered from the damage that Ray Anderson and Herm Edwards and Dr. Crow did to this program. I, I appreciate that acknowledgement. And then this is where it does get a little scary. He was basically asked, what's, what's next? Like, Monday morning, what do you got to get working on now? Yeah, I have exit meetings with uh, all the players and staff uh, starting Monday. So 180, 190 meetings, whatever that plays out to be uh, for the next four days. And then uh, fundraise. Like, I can go recruit. <laughs> it's cool. I'm going to go fundraise. Because uh, that's what the name of the game is nowadays. So what are we doing? I'm going to go and fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. Staff's going to go out and recruit players. I'll go out and recruit some players. But I'm, I'm recruiting people who want this place to win as well. And that has nothing to do with players. And uh, that's one of the most, the biggest factors in, in college football right now. And, you know, that's my job as the head coach. It's not just the coach. It's not just to lead a culture. It's not just to get 
people to graduate. It's not just to have the highest GPA they've ever had here. Uh, the first spring we were here, it's not just that. It's all inclusive. And the longer I'm the head coach here in year two and three, there are no excuses. There's never excuses because that's where college football is different than the NFL. It's different because you pick everything that happens in your program you're in control of. So when we're in year two and we're in year three, when you're in year four, everything is 100% a reflection of what I've allowed to happen. And uh, that starts with donors and fundraising and getting people involved. So I got to go do that this week. That's alarming. I mean, that is alarming to me that he's got that much on his plate, and, uh, and but accepts it, understands it. Now, since he mentioned fundraise, about a two-minute gap in the press conference, other people asking questions that didn't have anything to do with his answer. But that answer to me was really interesting to me that it was fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. So I asked the, a follow-up question. Granted, it's like two minutes later, but I asked this question, and I, and I included the question in this just so if you wanted to judge me in asking questions. The Franz Unplugged, WTSMTV.com. Kenny, you mentioned fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. You are from here. You know everything about this school. You started off by saying activate the Valley. How would you rate how the Valley did in year one and what, what, how much effort work do you need to put in to get 2024 what you want it to be? Yeah, I think uh, I'm happy with the, with the fans, with the support from that standpoint. Uh, I think, you know, in the last two weeks it's gotten better. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is it's a tough deal because the Valley, I'm from here, so I can say anything I want about the Valley, right? Because I'm one of them, I'm talking about myself, is we're front runners, right? We love watching winners. Well, the hard part is in college athletics, right, what comes first? The support comes first. Unfortunately, in pro sports, the support doesn't have to become, come before the wins, Right, You can just jump on board when the Diamondbacks go play the season they played. When the Suns just go on a run, you can just jump on board. You can't do that in college athletics. The support is what allows you to ride the wave. So I think it got better than what it was in the prior years. But I think just the educating piece on what it takes to actually be a consistent winner in collegiate athletics, especially when you're in a metropolitan city, everybody who's associated with ASU has to take a little more ownership of it because there's so many other things to do, right? That's why metropolitan cities, I can't tell you the last time they won a national championship because there's so many other draws. If we want to get to where we go, we're heading in the right direction. The support's in the right direction. People are, in my opinion, getting there, but we just got to slowly get better and better and better. And that's why this is a process. I knew it was a process. But when we get there, when we get the support right, right, as we continue to build, when we continue to bring guys to this program who believe as we establish the culture, once this place gets rocking, it'll never fall again. Whoa. <laughs> It'll never fall again? Wow. I thought that was strong, and I can't wait to see how the Valley looks at that comment where he called you a front runner. Now, he said, I can say it because I'm one too. Okay. I. That is exactly what needed to be said. Now, how will everybody respond to that let's look at the jed fish side of things give me jed fish one here's just your your random every day boom here's everything that happened in the standard jed fish open uh certainly excited by the way 
uh, all of our guys played. I thought it was a dominant performance by our program, by our team, by our seniors. <coughs> Jordan Morgan had a fantastic game. Mike Wiley, three touchdowns. Uh, to see our seniors do that uh, was pretty awesome. There's about 13 guys that were on the team in 2020 that are still remaining. Uh, to be able to have them walk out with a win like today was, was a great one. And uh, obviously can't say enough about uh, Tetero McMillan, 266 yards receiving. Um, Tanner McLaughlin set the single season tight end record, I believe, here uh, today with his seven catches, uh, two touchdowns. Noah threw for 526 yards today. I think that was our single game record. So all of those things uh, in turn were just a fantastic day. Uh, defensively, we took the ball away three times. Uh, Dalton Johnson got an interception. That Gunnar Maldonado got an interception. And then Jacob Kangaika recovered a fumble. So, you know, it was one of those games that our guys just played fantastic ball and um, had, some, uh, had some short fields, capitalized, had some long field, drove the ball. Um, so just really proud of our team. Thing that interests me there about Jed Fish the most is the fact that Jimbo Fisher gets fired at Texas A&M and they hire somebody from the Texas from Jimbo Fisher's tree. I would have gone outside that tree and gone after Jed Fish. So great news if you're a U of A fan. I got two more quotes from Jed Fish, and if you don't mind, U of A fan, I'm going to save those for tomorrow. It's my fault. I went a little bit longer than I expected with Jeff Van Rapphorst, but he was so good, especially not denying that he would accept it if they wanted him to be a athletic director there was so much to talk about with him that uh, I really wanted to go down that road once he opened the door and then that cost me a few extra minutes to give you U of A fans the time that I was going to give you so I'll get into your point of view on the Territorial Cup a little bit more tomorrow right now it's time for Steve McCollum of the main event to join us he's coming up at eight o'clock this morning he's here every weekday morning from eight to ten and uh was I don't know if you got the chance. I know you were watching high school football, so I don't know if you DVR'd it or if it was something that you just didn't want to see when you, when you got home. But what were your territorial cup thoughts? I, I, I was watching it uh, at, at the game. I, I can multitask. Oh, that's and, awesome. Um, uh, no, it it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, you know, I will say this though: U of A fans wanted that seventy to seven, and they were on pace for it. Uh, and man, they wanted it so bad. And you badly. just heard Jed Fish mention, yeah, you know, hey, that, we've got this many guys that are on the team. Yeah, that seventy to seven hurt U of A in ways we'll never understand. They yeah. are just bitter, uh, angry people, and they couldn't duplicate it. Why? Because we aren't as bad as they get. Uh, as bad as Arizona State is, is they're better than U of A was that year, seventy to seven. And you know what? Suck it, U of A. But, but that's what it is. Even though you're right, I gotta say. <laughs> Herm, I, I think what hurts the most is if you're a U of A fan, is that Herm w was su did such a poor job, and yet yes. he ran you over. Yeah. Now, I don't blame Jed Fish at all. I blame w when you're so bad that you hire a coach that, in my opinion, is spending more time on everything other than coaching, like what they had before Jed Fish. Yeah, but you could say that about Arizona State this year. This is a monumentally bad program right now. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Uh, this is the worst it's ever been in the history of Arizona State Athletics. Uh, you can say the same thing for them, and they managed to put some points up at the end especially. They managed to keep U of A from hitting 70. Now, I will say this. U of A did take their foot off the pedal. 
uh, at a point, too. So, um, Dead Fish didn't want it as bad as the fans, and uh, it cracks me up a little bit. <laughs> and uh, enjoy, you know, I know you had uh, Jet Fish to A&M, but I think UCLA is the bigger threat for Jet Fish uh, in the Big Ten. So, keep your eye on that story. I think that is a, a lot bigger chance. Uh, they have the money. Uh, they have the know with all, and then going to the Big Ten, they need to make a big splash. Uh, watch Jet Fish and UCLA Talks. That's yeah. a great idea. I, I didn't, and here's where I was dead. I mean, dead wrong. I didn't know Texas A&M's athletic department was that stupid. Yeah, well, I, well, maybe I, maybe that makes me dumb talking, for not figuring that out. Are you talking now. about them not hiring Stoops when he was the right choice? Exactly. Because, any, uh, I mean, yeah. there's so many. Listen, when you have anybody that's successful at Duke. Okay, I get it. Steve Spurrier is like the last guy successful yeah. at Duke. Maybe but, you could argue David Cutcliffe, but I, but so one I year. say that he's an attractive candidate, yeah. but I just wouldn't want somebody from the same tree of the guy that I just fired. Yeah, well, not just that. Uh, see, what shocked me about the A&M move is you go for the big name. That's what those big schools do. So I'll commend them for not going with the big name, uh, but forget about the coaching tree. I mean, great. He's done great things at Duke. Duke, you're probably able to do stuff because you're the second-tier program behind the basketball program, mm -hmm. and you don't have the eyeballs on you. So you're probably able to have a little bit of autonomy, right, with building your program. That goes away at A&M. It's going to be you have to meet with this booster, you have to meet with this booster to keep your job when you've lost two in a row. You've got to do this and that. It's a big difference in a program, and you need somebody to, to handle that. And I'm not too sure a guy from Duke is going to be a guy that's going to be able to handle that, but we'll find out. Do you think the day will ever come where the Cardinals own Sean McVay? Uh, no. Well, yeah, when uh, Sean McVay uh, retires and goes oh, to the thank booth. You. Yeah, thank you. Isn't that, isn't that amazing how Sean McVay just has this? Well, no matter who you throw out there, they yeah. just have you know, the, the number, man. And uh, I, you, know, you know what that number is, by the way? Hmm. Toughness. Toughness beats non-toughness 99% of the time. But what's weird is Sean McVay comes from like a non-tough coaching yeah. tree. But yeah. one thing that just it does make me laugh about a guy like a Cliff Kingsbury or other coaches is so many guys that are labeled offensive geniuses get it because they don't run the football. They've had some success passing, and that's what everybody loves. Sean McVay is the one guy that has no problem running the ball down your throat mm -hmm. and yet still keeps the offensive guru tag. And that's what makes him dangerous because so many other guys, there's there's this great line that Wolf used to always say, and I, I didn't think that he was this entertaining, but he would say, <laughs> you can't look like a genius running the football. And it just meant so many offensive coordinators are egotistical guys that want attention of look at that brilliant yeah. play design, look at that brilliant play call, and Sean McVay is, oh, you can't stop the run? fine we'll just keep doing it yeah but what he does he puts a little wrinkle on that and you saw that yesterday right uh i always call him henderson but that's like the williams right yes uh run, runs the ball you know just down the cardinal's throat and then what do you do uh you throw that simple eight yard out pattern that yeah. ends up going big because you're all your defenders are like oh my god they threw it right yeah. so yeah uh he throws that little wrinkle and that's where he gets that's where he keeps that offensive deal most guys when they start running the football and success just keep running it he will yeah. throw that wrinkle in there and it, it look it it catches you off guard. There's no doubt about it. Up in the stands, you don't know what's coming. Uh, Matthew Stafford, thank God he threw a couple balls, uh, you know, over his receivers' heads because it would have been a lot worse uh, with That's those true. surprises. You know, give me option three on this. I, 
I get, I had two options why Drew Petzing didn't do a lot of screens and draws and and quick runs with Kyler to slow down that pass rush. And one is he's not very good. And I don't believe that yet. You mean maybe, Petzing's not good or Murray? Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. we'll find it Petzing. Maybe we'll find out it's Petzing later. But there weren't those calls. So then option two, and I'm actually sold on this, but it's not a good thing is that they're evaluating Kyler for 2024. So it wasn't about here are the plays that are best to beat the Rams. It's about we need to see if Kyler can get through his progressions before he gets hit. We need to have these answers now. Can you think of an option three of why there weren't screens, draws, and all the things all of us know, this is how you slow down a pass Uh, Option two makes the most sense, but it's probably option three. Kyler Murray's hurt. Okay. He, he he was holding his hand yesterday on the right, sideline. Right. Uh, he had an obvious limp there. Uh, that brings up that another question quarter. then. Why, can this guy play 17 games? Yeah, well, I mean, he got killed yesterday. That yeah. offensive line, uh, what was, there was another game. It was the Browns where the offensive line as a whole struggled. They struggled yesterday. They Now, Aaron Donald, I understand, right? The, the Browns He's defense, not bad. I understand struggling against those guys. But, uh, man, he took a beating yesterday. And uh, excuse the stupid phrase, kept on ticking, right? Um, uh, but um, the play calling was an abomination in terms of what we've seen in the past. It wasn't the same. It was amazing. even though we're in versus Vegas because it's still all about family. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. What'd you do? Uh, well, eight. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand why people ask, what do you do for Thanksgiving? What do you do? You watch football and you eat. And yep. then uh, I watched uh, Scott Still Christian win a championship on Saturday. So. Oh, that was cool of you to do that. Congratulations to them. At least one, at least one team decided to play this weekend. There you go. Congratulations. Cheers. All right, have a good show. Thank you. Steve McCollum, the main event. Dale Hellestray going to be on coming up in just a second. It's the only station that does six hours, six hours of local sports program. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, Jeff, do me a favor. Make sure, because I don't have the information. Make sure, Steve, will you let Steve know to announce today's winner for the WTSM Week of Winners giveaway for uh, for Monday, I've got versus Vegas to do, and I am. It's 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 not something that I could be proud of. We'll announce Monday's winner tomorrow. Oh, oh, okay. oh, I get you. Oh, I I thought we were gonna good, good plan, good plan. Thank you for that. Um, my uh, my versus Vegas. If you remember, I was recently very happy about a fifty and thirty three stretch when it seemed like every day I was either three and zero or two and one. And mixed in even a uh, uh, six and one in there. Now I've gone one and two, zero oh and one, and then I went one and one yesterday or over the weekend. I loved. And normally I don't give the love tag to something unless I know it's going to happen. I loved the Denver Nuggets against Orlando when the Magic are on a back to back, and the Nuggets only have to clear three points. Uh, the Nuggets didn't cover because they didn't win. They lost to Orlando before Thanksgiving, 124-119. And I got a little lucky. I thought Michigan was a lot better than Ohio State. They were a little better than Ohio State. Um, I still got the game right, 
but I, in my heart, got it wrong. I said Michigan would cover the three and a half. They did. They won 30 to 24, but I still feel like I got lucky on that game that I thought Michigan was a lot better. Like, if you would have said the line is six and a half, I would have still taken Michigan to cover a six and a half, and I would have been wrong on that game. So I got lucky that Vegas had the line low. So I went one and one on the day. 10 46, 9 48, and 7 is my record overall. Tonight, here's what I got for you. Vikings are at home against the Bears on Monday Night Football. They only have to clear three points. I'm going to take Minnesota, and I'm going to lay that field goal. And that's more, sorry, Izzy, it's more of a knock on your Bears than it really is a compliment to the Minnesota Vikings. I don't like this line. It's steep, but I'm going to take it anyway. Indiana, the Pacers tonight, they're a 13-point favorite over Portland. Portland's not very good, but they just had the game of their life last night in Milwaukee. Now, it's not a hard flight at all, Milwaukee to Indianapolis, so it's not a tough back end of the back-to-back. But I think when you're not a very good team and you fight to the death and lose to what should be a great team, and you're playing against your old teammate, Damian Lillard. I think you've got a lot of emotion in that game. I don't think you come right back into it with great emotion against an Indiana team that's a good basketball team, but the rest of the NBA doesn't really respect right now. So I don't think they're going to be up for it. So I love the Pacers minus 8.5. Problem is the line is minus 13. I'm still going to do it, but I'm going to be a little nervous with that big of a line. And then hockey-wise, there's a really good number. Bruins against the Blue Jackets on the road in Columbus. The Blue Jackets are on the back end of a back-to-back. Boston, they you're, you get a good price, plus 100 if you take them to clear the puck line, minus one and a half. I like the... I like the combination of that. Columbus on the back end of a back-to-back. Boston's probably going with a backup goalie and with the situation that they're dealing with internally uh, with the domestic violence case that they're, you know, there's there's a little bit of a fractionalization, and I think that's why you've got plus 100. But whenever you get a team like the Bruins plus 100 and the other teams on the back end of a back-to-back, I think you take it. So I'm going to take the Bruins minus the one and a half on the road and uh, see how I do with those three games of trying to get restarted on another streak. Thanks a lot to Jeff Weir Production and to Izzy Isaiah Jackson for all the work they did to get Doug Franz unplugged ready today. Don't forget, you can win today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday in our WTSM TV Week of Winners at any level. Basic level, live level, premium level, you can win. But Friday's grand prize... Three wedges. Yes, actual golf clubs. Three right-handed wedges. Lunch at Civilic and a foursome. About $1,100 value for free. You're the winner of that. You could be that winner if you're a premium member. So jump on your opportunity to join us in the week of winners. Beer Friday, this Friday, our first one presented by our friends at 100 Mile Brewing Company. I want to say thanks to Bell's National Kitchen for hosting the Christmas party. The Unplugged Army Holiday Event is coming up 
Saturday, December 9th. I hope you're there. Bell's Nashville Kitchen is on Main Street in Old Town, just about 50 feet east of uh, Scottsdale Road. If you're hungry this morning, the best breakfast burrito you have ever had in your life is at Burrito Express. And man, they're great people. I I met uh, Angel and Mark's parents yesterday, and that, or excuse me, Saturday. That was a lot of fun seeing them. And then if you have any issues, especially in the holidays with your heating, cooling, plumbing, or electrical, see Parker and Sons. It might be a great time to ask about a tankless water system. If you've got a tankless water heater, you save so much money where you're not using electricity all the time to heat up water you're not actually using. And then you never run out of hot water. If you've got a lot of people over at the house for the holidays, it makes perfect sense for you and your family. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. And the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged is Rosati's at Ray and McQueen. That is in Chandler. I hope you dominate the rest of your week. Come in strong as a member of the Unplugged Army on a Monday. Steve McCollum's up next with the main event. I'll see you tomorrow.